This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. And a swing and a miss and a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for That's when I was the that breaking point. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Hello, Twins fans. Good morning. Good to be with you. This is Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, out at Target Field, where it's a little overcast, but the Twins won't be playing at Target Field today. We're getting you set for first pitch between the Twins and Rangers at the new ballpark down in Arlington, Globe Life Field. Um, This is Twins Today. We'll be running 10 to noon here on a special Father's Day edition of Twins Today. Happy Dad's Day to all the good dads out there, including my dad. After this, we've got the Inside Twins program coming up with Derek Falvey. That's at 12.30 today. Derek Falvey, 12.30 on Inside Twins with uh, Chris Atterbury. And then the Adina Realty pregame lineup card after that. Rusty Kath in the chair today, all leading up to first pitch between the Twins and Rangers. I'm super excited about this show that we've got today because we've got some fun guests. A little later on in the program, we are going to hear from baseball's all-time hit king, Pete Rose. That is a tape interview from Behind the Batting Cage segment with Dan Gladden. I've heard a snippet of this, and boy, it's uh, it's really interesting to hear a guy of Rose's stature just uh, completely open up. Uh, We'll get more in that later on this program. We're also going to hear from a certain Twins pitcher uh, working on securing one Randy Dobnek, who started yesterday's win for the Twins. And I know the season hasn't gone great for the Twins overall, but I do want to point out, dear listener, that the Twins are uh, on a four-game win streak in games played before this very show, four in a row on Saturday. So there you go, five of the last six for those counting at home. We're also going to hear from Twins Assistant General Manager Jeremy Zoll, kind enough to give us some time a little bit later today and hear about uh, the, you know, it's a sort of transition. They've got some guys coming back. It's an exciting time. Byron Buxton, Luis Arise back in the lineup. Max Kepler made his return. I want to hear about all that, how it's going down in Texas. Uh, my friend, friend of the show, Reds beat writer Bobby Nightingale will join in the 11 o'clock hour. Twins and Reds with a short two-gamer coming up this week at Target Field. And we're going to close with Star Tribune editor, writer, podcast extraordinaire Mike Rand joins the show a little bit later on. So very fun. If you want to follow along, it's right here in WCCO. You can uh, also listen on Odyssey platforms or 
you can uh, follow me along on Facebook, facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. I'm on Twitter also, at Derek Wetmore, and I write an email newsletter about the Minnesota Twins. That newsletter is Five Thoughts, and that's where we start the show today, just like we do every week. Five Thoughts is a segment that gets you caught up on the week. If you listened or watched every single pitch, I hope you'll still get something out of this. I try to dive a little bit deeper. If you checked out for the week because it was a beautiful week of weather in Minnesota, hey, we'll get you caught up and you're right back to uh, square one ready to go. That is what we do here on Five Thoughts, and that begins right now. I'm starting with the guy who is uh, probably the biggest news of the week for the Minnesota Twins, and that's that Byron Buxton is back. More on that in a second. But first, I want to point out, Monday's game, I watched it with the lens of, boy, I wonder how this would play if Buxton was here. Because remember, it was kind of a weird start and stop of we thought he was going to be ready a couple of weeks ago, and then he was having problems in his rehab. I don't want to say setback necessarily. I don't know if that's the right word, but the deceleration phase of Buxton's running was uh, problematic and enough that the Twins were not willing to activate their speedy center fielder and get him in the lineup. So I thought before Buxton came back, I was thinking Buxton was right around the corner, and I I watched Monday's uh, 4-3 loss to the Mariners with that sort of in mind, and I could not shake the thought that maybe they win that game with Buxton in the lineup. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little clip here for thought number one. I don't want this to be uh, dogging on Gilberto Celestino, who was filling in in center field for Buxton, because after all, he did hit his first major league home run in the game and was a, a big reason the Twins were in it. I just want to point out a couple of things from that ball game. Number one. The pitch delivered and popped in the air, center field. Celestino going back in front of the wall, reaches up. He smashes into the wall, loses his hat, can't catch the baseball. France scores to tie the game easily. So that's a highlight there. That's one of three plays I'd like to point out. Uh, Again, not dogging on Celestino. Uh, He's not the defensive wizard that Byron Buxton is, and that's because nobody is. Byron Buxton's the best, and I think he changes the dynamic of games and series when he's out there in center field. That was a just-missed ball at the wall in center field. Celestino almost brought it in, but couldn't. Turned into an RBI triple, as you just heard on the call with Chris Atterbury. That tied the game. Is that a play Buxton makes? Fair question. Earlier in the game, though, J.P. Crawford had led off with a, with a double, and he would come around to score. I think it's the kind of play that is, it's a single out to the outfield, and uh, most center fielders, it's a double. In fact, I would venture to say almost all center fielders, it's a double. I question, though, I wonder if it's a single with Byron Buxton out there because he cuts the ball off before it gets to the wall, fires it into second base, and people don't like testing that guy's arm because they're usually out. So I thought, well, maybe, but who knows? That run might come around to score anyway, so that one's a little little more 50-50. Later in the game, there was a home run. I just cleared the fence. I think it was an eighth-inning homer, and I think it was Bowers that hit it out there to center field. I, I don't know if Buxton pulls it in. It's Robin home runs is hard to do, even if you are the best center fielder in the game, so that one probably leaves anyway. But I just I kept thinking, hey, do the Twins win that game or at least keep it tied longer if Byron Buxton's playing? On that note, let's move to number two. Number two. Pitch delivered in the air, right field. Buxton's there, Kepler's there, Byron's got it. And it's fitting that on his return to game action after missing 39 games, the finest defensive center field in baseball holds in a can of corn to preserve the third straight Minnesota Twins victory. I mean, the last five ball was a great example. You know, you, they hit a five ball, you see, oh, 
boxing is there. Okay, the game is over. It doesn't matter where the ball is hit. He will find a way to go the ball. Um, so it's definitely uh, a release. We know that uh, we have the best center field in the league uh, playing behind you. And and today was a great example. You know, he, he impacted the game so different ways and definitely missing a lot. Chris Atterbury on the call, no doubt. Nelson Cruz there talking about uh, the defensive wizard in center field who's now back with the Twins. Uh, you can look at his record, uh, the Twins record, when Buxton is in the lineup, and it's it's incredible. I don't know if it overstates his value or if it properly states his value because uh, it's just an, it's an amazing record when he plays and not so much when he doesn't play. As Rusty Kath pointed out on the postgame show yesterday on the Twins radio broadcast, the Twins are now 1-0 in games since Byron Buxton's return. So we'll continue to watch his impact uh, in the batter's box and on the field. Special event this week at Target Field. Doesn't have a lot to do with the current Twins team, but I think it's important to point out. Here's uh, Mark Parrish talking about the Maurer and Friends Kids Classic, raising money for Gillette Specialty Healthcare, uh, Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare. It's Mark Parrish, and then we'll hear from Joe Maurer himself. Number three. We, from Minnesota especially, we're proud of the fact that we give back. We understand that, uh, uh, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a state to raise a professional athlete, and that's, it's just using our platform to give back is something that uh, I'm certainly proud of Joe for and everyone else that does that, and I try and do it as much as I can myself too. What a special day. This is unbelievable. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate you more than you know. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming out hearing about Gillette, how special a place it is, how special a place it is to us. They do great things there. I mean, I'm just speechless. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That, the voice of Joe Maurer, and before that, we heard from uh, Bloomington's second proudest son, Mark Parrish, a former Wild player, of course. Uh, and I'm only joking, but I, I can't uh, give that nod to on this program to anybody but uh, Kent Herbeck. So super cool to hear about that stuff in all seriousness. Uh, the, the Home Run Derby Tuesday here at Target Field raised a lot of money for Gillette Children's. I, I heard it was nearly $350,000 raised in that charity event. Joe Maurer made it to the finals of that derby, but uh, one Trevor Plouffe, former Twins third baseman Trevor Plouffe, uh, won the Derby, and I, I guess it was on his birthday, so that was kind of fun to hear, and it sounds like just a great event all around. Wanted to point that out in Five Thoughts, so we don't get to say that kind of thing very often. Another return to the lineup that I'm watching this week, and going forward, this could be a huge lift for the Twins, potentially. Number four. Swung on, rolled to the right side. Could be a pair. Solak goes to second for one, and the relay not in time to get a hustling Kepler. Hamstring is fine, and it's a 2-0 lead. Hamstring is fine was the big part of that clip. Kepler back from the injured list off the left hamstring strain. Remember last time he came back, uh, he was just kind of he was down for a little bit, and then he tried to to really beat one out on the ground to first base, and you could just tell he wasn't quite right. So very encouraging this time around. Gets rehab assignment in with the St. Paul Saints. Comes back to the Twins, and the first ground ball. He has fielder's choice, uh, RBI. So run scores. Um, Kepler, though, running down the line, looks like, to me anyways, I'm not a scout, I just uh, pretend to be one for a couple hours every week on the radio, it looks to me like Kepler is in better shape and should be good to go. And that's really encouraging if you're the Twins. They've been shuffling the deck a lot this year. Uh, I know they're not looking to run for that excuse, and nobody, uh, the other 29 teams aren't exactly going to feel bad for the Twins 
that they haven't had their A lineup out there every day. But I mentioned Buxton. That's huge. It's hard to put into words how, how valuable that is. Kepler standing in right field next to him. If he can get going to the just even the level that he attained last year, the year before that in 19 when, when Kepler was part of that amazing Bomba squad that, uh, he, you know, he had, I think it was 36 homers in 2019. And if they could get that guy back, wow, you're talking about another star player on your hands. We'll see where it's at. He hasn't uh, done a whole lot with the bat since his return to the lineup, but the important thing for the Twins, he's back in the lineup. It appears that the hamstring issue could be behind him and get those two guys back in the outfield. That's a that's a big deal for your offense. Now the Twins have the interesting mix and match with with Alex Kirloff, Trevor Larnick, Luis Arraiz, a number of guys for fewer positions, whereas in the past Rocco was filling out the lineup who's healthy and who can go man the position, now they're going to have some options. This one affects the Twins. We're going to hear from a former Twin here, Kyle Gibson, talking about the topic du jour in Major League Baseball. This is what everybody's talking about. Number five. Guys are not only throwing harder, but when the pitches are spinning at a certain level, you can look at the data and see that a fastball that spins over 2,500, the batting average is 130 against. So if you're a pitcher and you have the chance to get to that level, that's why guys started doing it. I, I've made the analogy of if I'm driving on the interstate and I have a 40-mile stretch that I know there's zero police officers and I'm guaranteed to not get pulled over, am I going to go the speed limit or am I going to go 85 so I can get to where I'm going a little bit faster? And then when I know the police officer's there, I'm going to slow down and try to test the limits, right? And that's kind of the state of the game we're in. As long as they can come up with a plan to consistently – and fairly enforce it across the league, I think pitchers are going to follow the rules and, and conform to whatever the league's going to do. That's the voice of Kyle Gibson, now with the Texas Rangers, formerly, of course, of your Minnesota Twins. And he's talking about sticky stuff. He's talking about the sticky foreign substances on the baseball as pitchers are using it to enhance their grip. And as you just heard Gibson talk about there, they're using it to enhance their spin, the rotations per minute on the baseball as it heads toward home plate. It affects a fastball because it allows it to spin differently than it would. Uh, You're kind of battling the effects of gravity, honestly. And when you can do that with uh, some sticky substance that are outlawed by Major League Baseball, you heard Gibson talk there about the competitive advantage. You can throw a fastball at the top of the zone. Your four-seamer rides a little bit more. You can throw uh, uh, some wicked breaking stuff that you maybe couldn't without that benefit. So this week, Major League Baseball starts enforcing that. It's going to be Monday, so I'm fascinated to see where that goes. Bit of a controversy in the sport right now, but they're working to solve it and address it as fairly, I guess, as they as they possibly can. But uh, enough about that controversy. We've got a great show coming up. The rest of Twins today here with me, Derek Wetmore, 10 to noon here on WCCO. Very excited for the guests we've got coming up. And one of them... Uh, Enough of these controversial topics. We're going to hear from uh, baseball's all-time hit king, Pete Rose, coming up on the other end of this. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Twins Today on News Talk, Nate 30 WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. I'm sitting out at Target Field. They're uh, doing some field work here, getting ready for the Twins to come back home this week. Just an exciting show today. I mentioned off the top of this program, a special Father's Day edition of Twins Today. We've got some guests coming up. Mike Rand of the Star Tribune. Bobby Nightingale covers the Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. will join us later. I'll talk about some of the 
topics of the day uh, in Major League Baseball and regarding the Twins with those guys. Just a lot of fun. Jeremy Zoll, assistant general manager, and Randy Dobnek, player guest, coming up in a little bit. But first, guy had 4,256 hits in the major leagues. He is the all-time hit king, but not without controversy of his own. This is a conversation between Dan Gladden and Pete Rose in Behind the Batting Cage, a couple of segments that we've got, and I've heard some snippets throughout the year. There's there's more meat on this bone, but what we're going to play for you today, uh, all I can say is Pete Rose talking with Dan Gladden, just a bit of an open book. Here's that conversation. I want to talk about the betting. When did you first start betting, and, and did you play poker with the guys on the road? No, you go to a room? We, we used to play talk on the airplane, but we didn't gamble. We didn't gamble. My first 18, 19, 20 years, I would go to the races on days off. Or on Sunday night, I'd always go to Brandywine Racetrack in Philadelphia. That's all it was. And, and throughout my whole career, Dan, 24 years, not one time did I ever visit Las Vegas. I started, bet, I started betting on my team when I – Totally retired as a player. There was something missing. You understand what I'm saying? And I had such good players. I mean, my four or five years as manager of the Reds, you know, guys like O'Neill, mm-hmm. Sabo, Eric Davis, Cal Daniels, Eddie Milner, Gary Reedus, Rob Dibble, Norm Charlton, Barry Larkin, shortstop, Treadway, Stillwell. We brought them all up through the minor leagues. And I, I believed in them. I believed in them. And I knew. And I knew I was going to win a lot more games than I was going to lose. So instead of worrying about the odds and all that stuff, which is what I should have did, I just told the guy, I want to bet every night on my team. And I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. But it happened. I can't get rid of it. I paid the price. And that's the way it is. Was it somebody that you were living with that exposed you for that gambling? No, no. You know, we used to gamble in the off season. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I lived in Cincinnati. If I hear, I could walk across the, the street and bet at the casino. But like most guys in Cincinnati, if you're going to bet, you have what they call a bookmaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most bookmakers are good guys. They're whiners. They're whiners, but they're good guys. <laughs> it's just like the casinos here. But people just don't understand. I was never a casino gambler. I just didn't gamble. I gambled on sports. Do you still have to apply to get into the to the Hall of Fame, apply to the commissioner's office every year? be honest with you, don't get me wrong. I, every player, you and me, whoever, should want to be in the Hall of Fame. That's the ultimate goal for a player of his or her sport. But I've kind of given up on that. I'm a realist, and uh, something will probably happen with me once I leave the earth. But, you know, I don't go to bed tonight, Dan, and, and pray that I go to the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Actually, I pray that I get up tomorrow. Okay, and I'm in the Reds Hall of Fame, which, by the way, uh, the Reds Hall of Fame is the best of the 30 teams as far as the Hall of Fame at the ballparks. I'm in that Hall of Fame. I got my number retired, hangs on the thing at the ballpark, and I got a statue at the ballpark. So and that's my hometown. I was born three miles from the ballpark in Cincinnati. The only bad thing about Cooperstown, and I don't want to get you confused about the situation, is this. The problem I have with baseball is they have never let me be on the ballot. They changed that rule when I got suspended because when I got suspended, a suspended player could still be on the ballot. I've never been on the ballot. So we don't know if the writers would vote me in or not. I'm just like Bonds and I'm just like A-Rod. Every year that goes by, 
they get more votes. Yeah, better. they're getting closer and closer to seventy-five percent. Be honest with you, I think it would help me if one of those steroid users would make the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame thinks they got all these altar boys up there. I come up in '63, and the first player I played against that went to the Hall of Fame was a guy by the name of Stan Musial. So '63, five years, '68 or '69, Stan made it. So everybody since then, I played with or against. So I know pretty much about a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame. I would never go out on a limb and say things about a guy. I appreciate a Hall of Fame or I respect the Hall of Fame. You know, it's just the way it is. But I played with how many? I played with 12 Hall of Famers. They all weren't altar boys. They all weren't bad guys. They were just human guys. They were just society guys. Then why, why is your penalty was. worse than a PED guy? Now, first of all, here's what I did. I betted my team to win. I'm not like Joe Jackson. I didn't take money to throw a game. What's the most sacred thing in baseball? It's stats. You know, we still talk about Babe Ruth. Okay, Luke Barry and, and people like that. I did nothing to alter the stats of baseball. The stats are what the stats are when I was managing the Cincinnati Reds. I'm still not justifying for what I did. I was wrong. I, I, I have to tell you that over and over again for people to appreciate that I understand I was wrong. But uh, no matter how many times you say it, everybody's not going to hear you. No, but can I tell you my disappointment? Because when I came up as a young kid, I used to go to the Giants game, and I saw you play, Pete, and I polished my game. I I go, I want to play like that guy. Uniform's always dirty. He plays hard, plays to win. So when I came up and when I would go around from city to city as a young player – the, the reporters would say, you know, hey, your, your style of play is similar to Pete Rose. And it was, yes, I saw him play as a young kid. That's how I, that's how I like to play. But my disappointment was that when people would ask me, oh, Pete Rose, he, he bet, he bet, he bet. He went to jail. He went to jail. And I go, no, he went to jail for taxes. Here's my question. Are you penalized more because you didn't come out and tell the truth right away yeah, or you lied to him? You're, you're probably right. But uh, don't forget, I had, uh, I wasn't the smartest guy in the world. I had attorneys who advised me what to do. Sure, if I had it all over to do again, you know, where I got screwed in that deal was this. I remember it was the day of the press conference and Giamatti read the agreement. If you look at the agreement, it says there's no proof that Pete Rose bet on baseball. The first question that someone asked him was, do you think he bet on baseball? And Bart Giamatti said, yes, I did. So right away, everybody forgot what was in the agreement and went on what Bart Giamatti said. So everybody got caught up in his conclusion and not what he signed. It also had a clause in there where I could apply for reinstatement a year after that date. So I knew I was going to clean my act up. Didn't Bart pass away like two weeks later? Three days later. I like Bart Giamatti. He's a very smart guy. I didn't like the fact that he set the agreement down and give his own conclusions. It was like in 10 seconds, he broke the faith of the agreement. And then, of course, he didn't have to answer that because he died three days later. Then when the next guy took over, he wasn't going to give me a chance because of the fraternity of commissioners. Have you tried to be reinstated with, with uh, the new commissioner? Yeah, yeah. I went to New York and met with him. I like Manford. He's got a tough job. All the commissioners in sports got a tough job. We make it tough. We players make it tough for them. But you'll find this hard to believe. I believe today I'm the best ambassador baseball has. 
And all I do is talk positive about the game of baseball. And you know as well as I, baseball makes it tough to defend baseball today. The way the the steroids uh, situation took over and the way the game has changed. Baseball is losing a lot of fans. And I just hope that these these people who run the game of baseball get tired of changing the rules. We've been playing this game since 1869 with the Cincinnati Red Stockings. And it was a good game then, and it was a good game 20 years ago. That is the voice of baseball's all-time hit king, Pete Rose, uh, not really holding back in that behind-the-batting-cage conversation with one Mr. Dan Gladden. Uh, Just a ton of fascinating nuggets from that. Uh, Some very surprising to me, if I'm being honest with myself and with the listener. Uh, Just... I mean, it's it's fascinating. One of the things about the uh, current sort of debate going on in baseball, the foreign substances crackdown, which again is set to take place tomorrow, is all the transparency I've seen around the game, or at least apparent transparency. I mean, guys talking about this stuff that has been just behind closed doors, sort of secret, uh, even just sunscreen and rosin has kind of like been known. But boy, the way players are talking about some of the stuff now and that that they have or haven't used or calling other players out or uh, Rays starter Tyler Glasnow talking about how this is going to lead to injuries and he's convinced that it's led to his own injury. Man, fascinating stuff and uh, certainly appreciate people willing to be transparent. So coming up next on Twins Today, uh, our thanks to Pete Rose for joining Behind the Batting Cage, by the way. Uh, Randy Dobnik joins us next slightly less controversial figure around major league baseball he pitched yesterday in a twins win exciting twins win we're going to hear his thoughts coming up after this you're listening to news talk 830 wcco the 2-1 right back to Dobnak, and now he looks back at Kiner Falefa, has him in a rundown, runs right at it flips it to Simmons Simmons to arise arise will lay the tag on him and the runner low has to stay put at first base. So Randy Dobnak got exactly what he wanted, Danny. A ground ball right up the box and Kiner Falefa in no man's land. Welcome back. Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting here at lovely Target Field. And joining us now on the program, kind enough to give us some time a day after his start, he is the guy you just heard. On that highlight, he's twin starter Randy Dobnak. Randy, how's it going today? Good, Derek. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really, really fun to pick your brain. I'm wondering, just off the bat, what does a starting pitcher do at the ballpark the day after he starts? Uh, a lot of rehab stuff. Um, I don't. Know if, I guess you can call it rehab. I don't know, but just getting worked on in my arm and um, get a lift in and kind of just go over what happened to, last night I guess and get ready for the game and just watch my teammates go out and do their thing so not a whole lot going on but takes up a lot of time you know just getting all that stuff done so that's a typical day for me I guess the day after I start yeah the arm care yeah I do vocal cord care day before a show it's huge (laughs) yeah Definitely. Speaking of that, Randy. Somewhere, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's right. We all got our, our little battles to deal with. Uh, speaking of that, uh, against the Astros and Yankees, I just I know you were dealing with a bit of a fingernail thing. I, I don't want to, like, blow it out of the water or anything because I know it's kind of, you know, typical stuff for a pitcher. But how, how's your nail doing now and the, the ongoing maintenance of that? Uh, the nail's been fine ever since I got that fake nail taken off. Um, 
we have a little bit more going on, like in the, I guess, in the finger. I guess I don't know how to explain it. We okay. don't really know exactly what it is. Um, but just one of those things, I guess, I'm just gonna have to deal with going forward until it heals. Um, I think it's something that can potentially pitch through. I mean, I've, I guess, I've been pitching through it for the last three outings. But uh, yeah, just one of those things I have to deal with. Um, nothing too crazy about it, but it's one of those things. Yeah. Well, much better outing for you yesterday, if you don't mind my saying. I thought you pitched well, and the double plays was it's obviously a huge part of your game, and they came to play yesterday. Your five innings, two earned runs, gave left the game with a chance to win, uh, or give the team a chance to win, excuse me. I I guess I'm just I'm wondering, with the, the sinker or the slider, does it, does it affect more? And you say you're going to just have to learn to live with it. Uh, any one of those two that it's going to be tougher on you? Um, yeah, I thought yesterday was pretty good overall. I mean, obviously I like to get more strikeouts, but I mean, the, just the way that I pitched, I think I had like 10 or 11 ground outs. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my thing. Uh, as far as the pitching part of it goes, um, it, it affects both of them, I guess. Okay. I feel it more on the sinker than I do on the slider, but obviously, um, it's still affecting the slider as well. So like I said before, it's just one of those things I have to kind of adjust to work through. Um, going forward, I mean, it's no excuse for how for how anything's gone lately. Um, but going forward, it's just something to work through and uh, get over it. So. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate that perspective, Randy, because like I, I, I'm not saying you're using this. This is kind of me looking at it from the outside. I I guess I've always appreciated how you will face the music in in any in any circumstances, good, bad, indifferent. Um, I'm I'm wondering as you pitch we've seen you so effective out there you know ground ball rate 60 percent and guys come up uh power hitters come up licking their chops with guys on base or something and you're just like not sweating it at all <laughs> throw throw a ground ball to shortstop get a double play uh is that from a human perspective though randy if if times start to not go as well for you're not getting to your plan or some of those ground balls get through or hard contact is it is it hard to ri- really get up rise and um, just go again as it's if it's not going uh, perfectly for you out there. Uh, I think overall, I mean, you can't really expect everything to be perfect every single time. So it's just kind of uh, grinding through that adversity. You know, some guys, balls are going to be hit really hard, and especially off of me, it's like I'm not. I guess they'll get more hard contact off me than say some guys that like to pitch up in the zone, just because you know they get the weak pop ups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm trying to keep the launch angle down, you know, have them beat the ball to the ground. If they hit the ball 110 miles an hour straight into the dirt in front of them, you know, that's okay with me. Obviously, they, they hit the ball hard. Um, but just trying to keep the ball on the ground overall. And like you said before, like, you know, guys are going to get hits all the time. Stuff's going to find holes and whatnot. Um, but for me, it's – I don't really ever like to back down from a challenge. So, if a guy – you know, hits one 115 miles an hour off me down the line for a double. Um, and the game plan is to kind of like bust him in or something like that with the sinker. And he gets me on the first at bat. I mean, we're not going to exactly change the game plan immediately, but, you know, it's that's my strength. So I'm going to pitch to my strength. And if his strength is, you know, the same exact area, I'm going to take me over him every single time. Um, you know, so I don't want to pitch, pitch my weaknesses because his strength is exactly what my strength is. So push comes to shove, push comes to shove it's going to be, you know, me versus him, my strength versus his strength, and hope for the best, I guess. Yeah. Just look at my pitches and 
trust the guys behind me. I mean, they've been great all year. Um, and like I said before, the ground ball rate's been it's been a little bit lower than it was last year. Um, but lately, I've been getting a lot more ground balls than I have been, you know, line drives and stuff like that. So, um, hopefully, things are coming back around. Yeah. Well, so our guest right now is uh, Randy Dobnak. That's the voice you're hearing there talking about arm care and pitching and busting guys inside. Randy, it's one of the things I've I've always appreciated about you. Guy hits a leadoff double, and like the next time he comes around, it's not like it's not in your mind, but it's like you don't you don't care. You're like, all right, let's go. We're we're doing this again. Uh, I've really appreciated that, and so you can kind of see that on TV sometimes. And um, I I don't know how comfortable you are with some of this stuff, Randy. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but the topic du jour in Major League Baseball is the sick, sticky stuff, the uh, substances, and we're not just talking about bullfrog and rosin anymore. We're talking about uh, spider tack and and all of that. You know, it kind of gets. It gets pretty deep pretty fast, some of the competitive advantages that are being talked about right now. What's your, as a major league pitcher, what are your thoughts on the current conversation as baseball sets to begin enforcement this coming week? Um, I think there's a happy medium that we'll be able to find. Um, as far as like the whole spire tax situation goes, I think spire, obviously spire tax is a little bit way over the top. You know, for years, guys have been using like sunscreen and rosin just to kind of get a better grip on the ball. Because um, some of the belt, some of the balls you get are pretty like chalky, I guess you could say. So they're, they're like slippery. So I mean, I, me personally, I'd never use anything. Um, but since I'm a sinker ball, I don't really need my spin rate to go up or anything like that. I'm actually trying to keep my spin rate down. Um, but some guys, obviously, you know, they have a little bit of control issues, and I think that using like the sunscreen and rosin kind of thing gives them better grip. And I. I don't really know the research on it all, but I think what people have said is like that doesn't really help you increase spin rate as much as like the crazy spider tech thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think overall, I mean, I think it's going to be good for the game. Um, but in the long run, I think they'll be able to find out how to like a happy medium where, you know, they'll allow guys to use, you know, sunscreen and rods or something like that just to kind of give them a better grip on the ball because obviously we, we don't want guys throwing, you know, I don't know what the average fastball is now, but as far as like 95, 96, we don't need guys, you know, letting it rip like that and flying out of their hand and hitting guys in the heads, you know, mm-hmm. and hitting a lot more guys. So having the sunscreen rosin gives them a little bit better grip of the ball, um, help them, you know, locate pitches better, which is better for the pitcher and obviously better for the hitter. You know, you don't want to wear a fastball to the head. So No. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's fascinating to me that it's all happening out there in the open, that uh, it's such a – it's, you know – the sunscreen thing was secret for a while in Major League Baseball, but now, like, just everybody's talking about it. It's it's kind of crazy, to me, honestly. But, uh, Randy, I definitely uh, appreciate your insight on the issue, and we thank you for joining Twins today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, my pleasure. Good luck on the arm care, and we'll catch you down the line. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. All right, that's the voice of Randy Dobnek, Twins starter down in Texas with the team. Pitched well yesterday, got a couple ground ball double plays. That was huge for him and for the twins our thanks to randy dobnak for joining the show when we come back on the show we are going to talk with assistant general manager of the minnesota twins jeremy zoll on twins today don't go anywhere you're listening to news talk 830 wcco all right welcome back to twins today driven by the mauer auto group i'm your host Derek Wetmore, I'm sitting here at Target Field, and we just got to chat with uh, twin starter Randy Dobnek down in Texas. That was a lot of fun. Another guy kind enough to join us down from Texas. He is Twins Assistant General Manager Jeremy Zoll. Jeremy, how's it going today? 
Doing good. Thanks for having me on, Derek. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. The last time we talked with you, Jeremy, you were working on some of the minor league camps in part of your sort of ever-expanding role as assistant general manager with the Twins. Do you, do you mind, Jeremy, just kind of filling us in, Twins fans, on your new role and the transition that sort of took place once the minor league season got going? Yeah, so in my in my current role, I uh, oversee both our uh, performance team, uh, major league and minor league, and our player development programs in, in the minor leagues. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, back in April, we were dealing with minor league spring training and uh, trying to get everyone up and running in that regard. And uh, fortunately, we do have the minor league season uh, in full swing now. We're about uh, seven weeks into that that season, which is which has been great. And then the other facet of uh, performance team duties, um, trying to help our, our group navigate uh, the injury bug and all our processes and protocols in, in that regard. So that's been a big focus of my time. Can you share with us, and maybe, I don't know if this is inside secret, if it is, forget it, but uh, you guys have a number of different people working on it. You know, you, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are people associated generally with decision makers, but you yourself are a decision maker, Daniel Adler, Alex Hassan. I mean, you guys have a, a big group of decision makers. Can you talk to us about the divide of, of those roles and some of the things you just talked about? Um, to, to be more specific about this, like, what do you do versus what somebody else might have to pick up the slack and handle? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I spend my time, as I mentioned, focusing on the minor league programs in our performance team. And then um, Daniel Adler, uh, he spends a lot of time focusing with our uh, R&D department um, and supporting international scouting, major league operations, arbitration, contracts, things in that vein. Um, and then Rob Anthony, our um, other uh, assistant general manager, um, oversees our international scouting and, and Fred Guerrero, our pro scouting department. Um, and also helps uh, partners with Daniel on the arbitration side of things. Um, so there are uh, some lanes that uh, give us some areas of focus within those three. And then, um, as you mentioned, a number of directors, um, as, as Derek and Dad have worked really hard to expand the, the group and um, bring a lot of talent into the organization. So we've, uh, you know, have a lot of different people thinking about a lot of different things. And then when it comes to um, things like the trade deadline, off-season discussions, roster planning, et cetera. That's where the group will uh, all come together to work on those things as a unit. Nice. I'm picturing one, like, huge Slack channel. There's just, like, a big chat where everybody's throwing stuff and their thoughts and opinions in there. Uh, Jeremy, you are down in Texas with the Major League Club, traveling with the team right now. What is your impression of the new ballpark there? Obviously, I've only seen it on TV so far. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to get to see it. Always fun to, to get to check out a new park, especially when it's uh, as new as, as this one. And um, it's been uh, it's been cool to see. Uh, it's it's very very large, as as is the theme in, in Texas, and it really stands out on the drive-in between that and the football stadium. <laughs> they did a really nice job with it, and uh, it's been uh, interesting to see the guys respond to you know different surface with the turf, and uh, we're curious to see how their bodies respond and all that, but. Um, it's been cool to walk around a little bit over the last few days as well, and uh, we've been we've enjoyed getting to see it. Last time we talked with you, Jeremy, is it's in April, and we're talking about coming off a weird season where really only a select few prospects got to play any any meaningful baseball, and and some people might even argue are sim games at the alternate site that meaningful for development. I I don't know uh, where you stand on that, but I guess. Um, I'm wondering now as we're sort of into seven weeks into the minor league season and it's rolling, how does that conversation help shape the trade deadline? Uh, maybe not specifically for the Twins, but generally as a league, 
it's got to be a weird spot where you basically didn't get to scout guys at all last year, and now you're having to go off a sort of limited sample in 2021 to make your evaluations. Yeah, it's a it's a very unique uh, year and situation to try to navigate the trade deadline given um, the year off and and just limited in information. Um, there were some data sharing and video sharing networks that um, teams could participate in and have access to from the alternate site from last year. So that'll contribute to the process. But there are so many guys that their last game action was 2019, and then we see where we're at. You know, come opening day in early May this year, um, and over this two, two and a half month period up until the trade deadline, who, who has made changes, who has improved, who has, um, who has struggled and, and come, can we come up with reasons why those jumps are happening? Is it part of random variation or is it part of um, some true improvement that they put in um, and then navigating all the injuries as well um, and trying to just gather up as, inf- as much information as we can. Brad style and the player personnel group are working really hard to, to try to get recalibrated with all these things, but um, it's, it's an interesting year and going to be um, pretty unique situation we try to navigate at the trade deadline. Jeremy Zoll is our guest. He's the assistant general manager for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, does a great job on the development side of things is where I think of like your your brains applying, getting people better is just kind of how I uh, internalize that. I, I hope you take that as a compliment, Jeremy. And, Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Sure. I'm also, I'm just, I'm fascinated by uh, the work that you have to do once a guy gets back to the big leagues. And I'm thinking some of your rehab guys, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, uh, coming back from a hip and a hamstring, respectively. Luis Arise with the shoulder. How do you guys work as a group to try to keep these players, one, on the field, but two, get back there as quickly as possible and be, be playing safely at the, at their peak capacity? Yeah, big focus for the performance team uh, with Dr. Chris Camp, Michael Salazar, Ian Kadish, and um, a number of other people contributing to the process was um, trying to reestablish uh, what, our, what our rehab protocols should be uh, what are for, for various types of injuries, is it a lower body injury, is it a muscle injury, is it an upper body injury, um, and how are we going to go about um, their return to play protocols and coming up with different baseline markers to, to graduate them to additional steps in the process. Um, so that group worked super hard this, this offseason to, to get those protocols in place, but we know every situation is unique and, and going to bring some different challenges about, so uh, we wanted it to be viewed as a living and breathing document and I've already had some opportunities to make some adjustments on the fly uh, over these uh, last couple months with some of the, the injuries we've been um, navigating. But typically there's, um, you know, some type of progression involved where we work to set up some objective information to know that we, we can feel really good about uh, pushing uh, the player along to the next step, figure out how rehab will, will factor into the process as well, uh, and then work to get them uh, active in a, in a uh, safe and, and productive way from there. So um, it's been a little bit of an adventure with the, with the IL cases, the number of IL cases we've been navigating so far, but uh, really feel good about the group's commitment to f- continuing to find ways to improve that process. That must be the, the laser markers we saw Buxton running through to see, uh, get some objective clock times on how is he running, not just subjectively. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I could probably go play because I think you and I probably both know that Byron might say, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I could play <laughs> no matter what his percentage is. Um, I do have a question for you. One more before we let you get out of here. And Jeremy, thank you very much for your generosity of time here this morning. Bailey Ober, Twins fans uh, 
I've been excited about some of his starts. And we've also noticed, of course, that he's he's coming out earlier than you might expect if you're just watching the game. We talked with Bailey, who said, yeah, I mean, this is by design. Can you share insight in, with Twins fans here uh, in, a, in a minute or less about the Bailey Ober prospect development and, and maybe why we're seeing him come out of games when he's rolling? Yeah, Bailey's someone who, uh, when he's when he's been on the mound in the minor leagues, has been extremely effective, um, really throughout his his time with the Twins. Uh, but he'll be the first to tell you he has battled um, a number of different um, arm issues along the way, and um, that's really um, throttled down his ability to accumulate significant workload in, in any given season. So um, it's something that we're constantly thinking about, thinking about and being mindful of. How can we best navigate? Um, you know, Bailey's workload to put him in a position uh, to be successful, not only in the immediate, but for uh, the entirety of the season and and in subsequent seasons. So, um, you know, good to have him as a partner in this plan and just trying to find the best way, especially coming off such a um, strange year last year um, and, and, and him not having too much of an opportunity to accumulate too much workload. How can we get him through uh, into the end of September effectively um, as we as we get through this season and, and Rocco and Wes and Pete are continuing to uh, work on refining that and we're excited to see how uh, how that unfolds. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you guys do that with minor leaguers before, but it's got to be tempting once you got a guy up there and you're trying to limit runs as best you can and then to still have that discipline to say nope sorry this is uh this is a long-term thing so uh, thank you for sharing that insight with us jeremy and uh again thank you so much for being generous with your time down in texas we really appreciate you coming on twins today absolutely thanks so much for having me on of course of course we'll catch you on down the line jeremy that the voice of jeremy zoll twins assistant general manager he's uh with the twins in arlington texas that's it for our one of Twins Today, special Father's Day edition of Twins Today. But there's another hour where that came from, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we've heard from Jeremy Zoll. We heard from Twins starter Randy Dobnak. We heard from the all-time hit king Pete Rose in Behind the Batting Cage. Coming up next hour, we're going to hear from Red's beat writer. His name is Bobby Nightingale, and he covers the team for the Cincinnati Inquirer. We're going to talk about him. Uh, about the Twins' next opponent with him. We're going to also hear from the executive director of ACES, a foundation working closely with the Twins to help bridge the educational opportunity gap. And then we'll close the show with your calls, 651-989-9226. Mike Rand joins for that segment. You're not going to want to miss Hour 2 of Twins today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. Stay right here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Okay, welcome back. Twins Today is live from Target Field. I am your host, Derek Wetmore, and we've got a fun show. We just heard from Twins Assistant General Manager Jeremy Zoll. Randy Dobnek joined the show earlier, but now it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the show. He covers the Reds the Twins' next opponent, for the Cincinnati Enquirer. He is Bobby Nightingale. Bobby, how's it going today? Doing great. Glad to be here. Well, the pleasure's all mine, Bobby. Good to good to catch up with you. Uh, well, actually, we'll start on a, a bit of a somber note here. Uh, uh, it's a special Father's Day edition of Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Um, but this is going to be a, just a difficult week for some people. Uh, Bobby, Mike Bell passed away, Twins bench coach, uh, this spring training. And, of course, his brother manages the Reds. 
They'll pay tribute to Mike at Target Field this upcoming week when the Reds are in town, and obviously many members of the Bell family will be in attendance for that. Bobby, you wrote a great piece on this that I read at the time that uh, Mike Bell unfortunately passed away way too soon this spring from cancer. Um, what was that reporting like as you talked with a number of people about uh, a guy who's very beloved in the baseball community? Yeah, I think you hit it with beloved. I mean, I think just a guy who's been around the game for so long, um, his family, of course, three generations of big leaguers. Um, you know, it, I think everyone saw him as a future manager too. I mean, he kind of went from Arizona's farm director to the twins bench coach. And it was kind of like the next step, uh, kind of like Derek Shelton was going to be somewhere uh, managing somewhere. So I, it's such a sad situation. I'm sure there'll be a ton of emotions. Um, I, I know the twins are going to do a good job kind of doing it justice tomorrow. Um, I, I think Luke Bell, Mike's son's going to throw out the first pitch to David. So I'm sure that'll be an emotional moment. Um, Luke Bell, he pitched for Xavier University in Cincinnati. So it was cool seeing like, um, you know, David kept eyes on him when he had a chance. Um, his, his grandfather, Buddy Bell, who's a red special assistant in the front office. Um, he watched a lot of the games too. So I'm sure it'll be a real emotional moment for the Bell family tomorrow. Yeah. Our thoughts are with them. Of course, uh, Father's Day, not quite the same, but we're, we're thinking of you bell family and i i only got to know mike a little bit bobby i know you know his brother quite well working over there uh just uh forget about the baseball side of things because people like to uh, glow about that side too but in a limited interaction just made an impact on on me and not to make this all about me of course but just uh a special guy, and you hear a lot of people say a lot of great words for him, including in that great piece, Bobby, that you wrote for the Inquirer. So, you know, thank you for putting that together for people. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, he just left an impact on whether you met him for five minutes or you knew him for five years. He was just one of those guys that you always felt like you knew, uh, felt, felt like you'd known him for a long time the first time you chat with him. Yeah, and just just a sad moment. Let's um, it's never easy in sports where we we intersect and weave back and forth between real life and entertainment, uh, and and culture and society. And all you, we got to be versatile in in this sport, Bobby, as you know well. Um, no easy transition, but let's talk a little bit about Reds and Twins coming up this week. Just a short series, but I'm still curious to see because we don't get to see them in the National League all too often reds are they're hovering right around 500 they swept the brewers one of their chief opponents but then uh, i think they're they've lost three or four here to the padres going into their game today just in general bobby where are the reds at in their season their quest for the playoffs yeah i mean they've been up and down all year they started off six and one with the record you know they they felt like they had all the momentum and then it was kind of rocky waters for the next month okay um and one of the hottest teams since the start of June, um, you know, they swept, they swept the Cardinals on the road and they swept the Brewers on the road, which were huge for them, uh, divisional opponents sweeping them on the road. So um, pitching wise, their starting pitching is getting a little bit better, starting to stabilize. That's kind of been the biggest thing for them. Uh, that's been their biggest Achilles heel, um, highest, highest bullpen ERA in baseball, almost by a wide margin, um, almost near six. So that, that's been their biggest weakness. TJ Antone, their best reliever. Uh, he's been on the injured list for the past week. Uh, he, it sounds like he'll be back Monday or Tuesday for one of the games against the Twins. So that'll be something exciting for the Reds. And then also their offense. It's But if they had this offense last year, they would have been a lot better team. Uh, last year they had one of the poorest offenses in the league. Same guy, same group. But a lot of these guys like Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos are playing at all-star levels. Uh, so they've turned it around. Joey Votto's starting to hit pretty well this past week. Um, but 
if, if they don't fix their bullpen, that's kind of been the, the big Achilles heel for the Reds. If, if that doesn't get solved, they're not going to go very far. That's the voice of Bobby Nightingale. He covers the Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter at Nightingale Jr. Nightingale Jr. is where you can find him there. Uh, Bobby, tell me, because in spring training, I had heard about this unique plan that the Reds were going to go have a sort of a non-shortstop, play shortstop, to get an extra bat into the lineup just because of the, the bodies that they had on the roster. I see they're not doing that now. What what happened to that plan? Yeah, I mean, Eugenio Suarez has been a third baseman for the last five years. They, they didn't go out and get a shortstop this offseason when they had an opening there. Um, and they just went in the offseason and said, we're going to move Suarez back to shortstop for the first time in five years and see how it works. And, um, you know, he's, he's been a below average defender there. Um, metrics have him as one of the worst in the league, if not the worst short defensive shortstop. Um, so when Mike Moustakas got hurt and he's still going to be out until the All-Star break, um, they they use that opportunity to move him back to third base. They have Kyle Farmer at shortstop, who has primarily been a utility guy his entire career. Um, but like you said, that this was all solely for offense, and that was kind of like if, if we just who cares about defense if we can outscore. Teams. Uh, but the big twist of it is that Eugenio Suarez has been uh, he hasn't hit all season. I mean, I think his batting average is below 170 hmm. um, uh, on base percentage is below 250. So it's one of those things where. They, they did all these things for offense, and then the guy they were counting on to provide most of that offense hasn't hit all season. Uh, so now he's back to third base. So they're a little bit better defensively because of it. Um, but I, I think if Mike Moustakas is healthy, they'd still try and continue that experiment for whatever reason. I'm fascinated by it all because, as they say, runs are runs. You know, if you can score 10, it, it's not that hard to limit the other team. But, yeah, they're going to put a guy who uh, I, I think he's a decent third baseman just from my limited exposure to him, but certainly not a guy you'd look at and say, yeah, that guy could play shortstop in the big leagues. Just kind of a bigger body and, as you mentioned previously, a power hitter. Guy, fascinated to see if it if it comes back to that. But you said a little longer before Mike Moustakis is back from the shelf. Uh, another guy you just kind of said in passing, but I don't think we can talk about the Reds and Twins upcoming series without mentioning this guy's name. Jesse Winker has uh, just been fascinating. What's his story and how has he performed so well early with the Reds? Yeah, he was always viewed it as a guy who could hit. He's almost like in the Joey Votto mold where he's going to get on base a ton. But the question with him was always, could he hit for power? Uh, in the minor leagues and coming up his first couple of seasons, he dealt with injuries, but he's always a guy that hit like a maximum of 15 homers in a season. Well, now he's up at 20 already. Um, and we haven't even hit the all-star break and that's kind of taking his game to the next level. Um, his on base percentage, I think is around 420. And now, he, now that he's a hitter, um, you know, he's one of those guys, I think the Reds always saw this was a potential. It was always like, if he hits for power, he's going to be a star. And I, I think that's kind of what he's done. He's kind of fed off Nick Castellanos too. I think those two kind of go hand in hand just because they're both kind of feeding off each other, both hitting for power, both playing really well. Um, but you give Jesse Winker a lot of credit. He's always just been a guy that um, prides himself on hitting, um, and he's done it at every level he's played at. All-star rep? I mean, you kind of touched on it there. Is it Castellanos and Winker both? Are there other guys that we should be looking at for the Reds? Yeah, definitely those two. They're, if the that first ballot update, I think it was like a week ago, if that held, those two would both be starters. Wow. Um, so it would be a huge thing for Cincinnati, just having two all-star game starters on a team that's 500 and still getting the individual accomplishments there. Um, I think Wade Miley might have a chance. Um, he, he is ERA below three, older guy. I, c- I could see him kind of on that fringe of 
when there's Sunday starters that can't pitch in the game and injury replacements, I could see him being one of those guys. And then catcher Tucker Barnhart, he's a gold glove defender, two-time gold glover, um, having one of the best offensive seasons of his career. It's a tough position to crack, like Buster Posey and some other guys are um, having great seasons at catcher, but um, I, I could see him stepping up there too. Fascinating. Yeah, it sounds like it's a it's a good and deep squad and maybe undone by the bullpen a little bit. So it would be fascinating to see uh, here at Target Field. Um, shifting gears just a tiny bit here, Bobby, it's the kind of talker around uh, Major League Baseball right now. Tomorrow, so the first game between the Twins and Reds is supposedly going to be the first day that Major League Baseball begins cracking down and, and handing out punishments for this sticky substance story that just really won't go away. Um, I have my personal thoughts on it, and I've been fascinating just for one, just to see all the the stuff that used to be talked about behind closed doors is now being talked about on ESPN. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, uh, it's out there in the open, and it's being talked about. Bobby, what are your thoughts in general on uh, the sport, where the sport stands right now with this big day coming up tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's a good thing for the sport. I mean, I remember Trevor Bauer, he was on the Reds last year before the 2020 season, and he was saying, hey, it's a bigger advantage than steroids in his mind just because it's something that affects every pitch, um, and so many pitchers were using it. He estimated at the time it was 70% of baseball was using it. Um, and if you look at his career, I mean, he was an above-average pitcher, uh, and then last year, spin rates jump, and then he wins the Cy Young. His spin rates are still high. We're still high at the start of this season, and then he's still one of the best pitchers in baseball. So um, I, I think he kind of showed, okay, this is kind of the effect it can have. And Garrett Cole's kind of the same way. Garrett Cole was kind of an above-average pitcher in Pittsburgh. Spin rates jump in Houston, and then all of a sudden, he's the richest pitcher in baseball. Um, so I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think it'll affect the Reds somehow. They've kind of embraced, like, they call themselves Spincinnati. There's T-shirts. <laughs> um, you know, it's always kind of been kind of their mantra is we're going to spin the ball really well. And some of those guys I'm sure still will, I mean, with or without the stuff, they're still going to be high spin rate type guys, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how the crackdown affects them just as a team that's kind of embraced the spin. Um, and now the spins under a microscope now more than ever. That is funny. I didn't think about that. Uh, we had twin starter Randy Dobnik on before, and he's, he's a low spin guy. He doesn't want to be a high spin guy, sinker slider more, uh, just, doesn't feel like he needs to use that stuff to uh, get an advantage. But I am curious to see. He mentioned the word happy medium. Like there's going to be some kind of compromise here. Uh, do you have a good solution? Because pitchers will talk about, well, yes, there are people who are cheating or they're using like super glue-like substances to try and just rip uh, a breaking ball or make sure their fastball rides at the top of the strike zone. But, Bobby, do you, uh, do you see a need for – because I personally do – have some kind of tack because if you're getting a, a chalky baseball as Randy described it to us, boy, you don't want that thing slipping out of your hands. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the the solution here as sort of that happy medium. I think there has to be some consistency with the mud they, they put on the ball. I, I don't know how you apply it consistency, but some conveyor belt type thing, I think makes the most sense if you could create that. Um, and then also like you Darvish, he brought in some baseballs from for this weekend. Uh, showed it to the Padres, showed it to the Reds who they're playing this weekend. And, um, you know, they, they do a great job with their baseball. I mean, just the the texture on it is a lot more, um, provides this national, natural grip instead mm-hmm. of, like the Reds call it cue ball sometimes. Some baseballs feel like cue balls when they get a hold of them. Um, but I, th- I think it's one of those things where, you know, baseball went a little too far. It, you know, they, they pushed the envelope as much as they could, almost like sign stealing in a way. You know, it seems it's legal to steal signs if you do it on the field, but the more you keep pushing and pushing, yeah. um, you know, that's where you get into trouble. It's fascinating. I'm, I 
kind of just like here for the story. I just got my popcorn and I'm ready to watch it all unfold. Um, Bobby, thank you so much for joining the show. I uh, appreciate your time and look forward to catching up with you at Target Field. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. That the voice of Bobby Nightingale. He covers the Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter at NightingaleJR, where you can find all his great work. Uh, we've got a couple more things in store for you this episode, special Father's Day edition of Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. When we come back, I'm going to be speaking with Christina Saunders. She's the executive director of ACES. It's a nonprofit organization that works closely with the Twins, and they're trying to help bridge the educational opportunity gap. We'll talk with Christina about all of that and why Rocco Baldelli has uh, gotten involved with a virtual field trip for some of their kids. More of that coming up after this. But this break is brought to you by the Mauer Auto Group, just like the whole show, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. And like we do every single week on the show, we're going to catch up with Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. That's right now on WCCO. Jeremy, how's it going today? Today is going great. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. I appreciate that. The Mauer and Friends Kids Classic, raising money this week for Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare. You had a chance to get out to that event, Jeremy. What was that like? It was an amazing event. Uh, A bunch of us from the store were able, they invited us out there. But to see Joe and see all his past teammates and see everybody in their glory, um, all the sponsors got to pick somebody from their organization to do it. And I got to tell you, hats off to Tony Leesman. He hit one out of the park for our sponsor. So <laughs> nice. we were feeling we were feeling pretty good about that. We had our guy out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was just all about raising money for the kids. And I finally saw the final number. It was almost $350,000 in one day. And hats off to Joe and Maddie for what they do. Over the past three years, they've raised over a million dollars for the Gillette Children's. And I tell you what, if, if you know anything about them or you see any videos about them or you see anything about those kids, there's nothing about sadness there. Those kids are just, they're there and they're dealing with what they've been dealt for their life and they're making it awesome. And Joe does a great job with those kids. And it's just, you know, when we talk about more than cars, this is the stuff we're talking about. You know, obviously I have a job I do every day, but it's more than a job. I'm part of this organization and I'm very proud to say I'm part of this organization when I see this kind of stuff happening for these kids. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. It was it was a great, it was another great day. Jeremy, you mentioned, we talk every week on this show and we talk about cars sometimes and your Lease Elite program and the different things that people can do if they're looking to buy a car from the Mauer Auto Group. But we spend a lot of our time talking about this more than cars part. And this charity fundraiser falls right into that, Jeremy. Where could people learn more about that if they're looking online? Some of the stuff that you and I have discussed throughout the course of this season, some of your more than cars initiative. The best place to go look it up. Thank you for asking. Um, our new website, the mauerautogroup.com. That is the place to go. The primary focus of that obviously will get you to the three different stores. Cause we've got the store up in the North Metro in Anoka. We've got the store in the South Central in Virgo Heights. We've got the Buick GMC store right next to the Chevrolet store. But when you go to the mauerautogroup.com website, you actually see what it is we're talking about and what we're doing. It's a cool website to go to. And then when you're looking for a car, because, you know, right now the the market is hotter than a pistol. And I haven't been able to say that in like 20 years, but it is a good market right now. And your trade-in has never been worth more than it is right now. We've got a bunch of employees that 
are just saying, okay, yeah, I'll do it. My, my truck is worth so much. I have to buy a new one. So it's a great time to come in and the inventory is starting to come. We're getting two, three, four transports a day of Tahoe's, Suburbans, Equinox, Trailblazers, all the hard to find stuff is at the Mauer Auto Group. MauerAutoGroup.com. Jeremy, I'm glad you had fun at the Mauer and Friends Kids Classic. Uh, thank you for your support and thank you for coming on Twins today. All right, thank you so much. All right, welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we welcome into the program now a very special guest, a partner with the Twins. She is Christina Saunders, the Executive Director of ACES. Christina, thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. The pleasure's all mine, and I want to get right into it. ACES is an educational outfit, basically, for, for, for students in, is it the metro area? And that stands for Athletes Committed to educating students. Christina, what is ACES? Yeah, thanks. ACES is an after-school program um, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. So yes, metro area. And we focus on students that have been adversely affected by the opportunity gap in Minnesota. Minnesota really, you know, has a wonderful education system for some, but for our um, BIPOC students, we rank last in terms of graduation rates in, in the entire country, which is, you know, a really horrifying statistic. So ACEs really works in a very fun way to provide support for our youth after school. We work with middle schoolers and teach them math and social emotional skills sort of through the lens of sports. So in a really fun way in ways that they are not learning in school. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating thing. And I want to touch in on A, the twins involvement and B, your sure. mention there of sports. But I think we should start with that, that statistic. I think people are sometimes surprised when they hear that, that there is such a, a wide opportunity gap in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, it's something that we don't talk about very much, especially when we look at building math skills in middle schoolers, which is what ACEs does. You know, math is something that research shows you really need to be proficient in by the time you get to high school because it builds on itself. So you, in order to graduate from high school on time, you need to be able to do basic math by the time you get to ninth grade. And, you know, going, growing up in school, math was always difficult for me, but um, I had the support I needed to be able to get through. And a lot of our students don't necessarily have that. They, they go to some schools where, you know, funding is really restricted and they may not have the support they need at home. And so um, ACES plays a really important role in, in helping them learn those math skills. How did the twins tie come about? Because I understand <laughs> that it's like, really, it's been a kind of a long-term partnership between ACEs and the twins. Yeah. I mean, way before my time, but we're blessed to have a partnership with all of the major sports teams in, in the twin cities and the twins have just been incredible. So we've had some involvement, um, you know, from a player level, they'll do player visits. Um, we have the mascots showing up and recording videos for our students, especially during COVID. That was so fun. Um, TC Bear giving them, you know, uh, encouraging thumbs up and um, helping them along with their, their morale. Um, but they're just, the, the twins are an incredible partner. They have supported us financially with board representation. We really couldn't do the work that we do without the twins. And you touched on math as part of this opportunity gap that exists in Minnesota for some of our students of color. And I'm curious how baseball can kind of tie into that. Cause sure. I, I love baseball from a math perspective and it just has all of these, how, how is the sports tie help you with these students? 
Yeah. I mean, baseball is such a natural fit, right? So many statistics. I mean, even just looking at the scoreboard, there's so many different ways you can integrate math, but we, so we have our own unique curriculum that we actually um, worked with the twins and the other sports teams to develop. They really help us hone in on our social emotional uh, learning as well as our math. So students will study and learn things like perseverance and goal setting, where they study breaking barrier athletes that have broken color barriers and LGBTQ barriers, because that's such a natural tie with sports. I mean, you have to, to be able to set goals and persevere in a, in another unit called stadium architecture, students strengthen their geometry skills. Um, they study different stadiums from around the world, and then they actually build their own weight bearing stadium, which is just a really cool hands-on project. Sweet. And it seems to me like, yeah, kind of, you can, you can rope people in through the lens of sports. If they're interested in this already, cool. There's some stuff to learn about it behind the scenes. That's really cool. I'm wondering as you bring these kids in, is it, is it teachers that are working with them? Is it, is it volunteers? Explain to me how your organization works. Yeah. So we're four days. Well, pre-COVID, we were four days a week after, after and before school. And we have paid teams that go into, you know, both community centers and our schools. And we have folks called academic coaches that work um, with the students in a, in a classroom model. And these coaches build really strong key relationships with our youth. That was, you know, never more important during COVID. We, we were able to sustain those relationships because of the, the, positivity of our, our team, really. We do have volunteers through a program called e-mentoring, which um, I know the twins have have been actively involved in. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I heard about a story that's kicking around the twins organization just broadly. And then we can talk about uh, one of our friends, Josh Ruffin, who has, sure. has been a mentor. Uh, what a mentor program looks like for this, because I love asking people about the stories that make them smile about some of these. You have to have in your time with ACEs, uh, a couple of stories that put a smile on your face. Yeah. So through our e-mentor program, students become connected with a professional, sometimes from the sports team, um, sometimes from the corporate world, and they begin to forge a relationship. They email once a week. There's specific prompts, so they're learning about each other, but in a very um, motivational and specific way. So they're talking about things like perseverance, goal setting, and barriers, and and then that develops over time. And often the the mentor and mentee will take it to the next level, and they'll talk on the phone or video chat or even meet. And so there was a very special gentleman named Keon who was at one of our St. Paul sites and he was paired with a a twins employee, Josh, and they just cultivated an amazing relationship over a year and actually have met in person several times. Keon um, brought Josh a present for his new baby, which is just adorable. Um, And they're still in touch. And so that's, you know, exactly what we like to see. And I'm sure uh, Josh gets a lot out of that relationship as well does Keon. You're telling me about another story involving a student that went through the ACES program and is just uh, succeeding with flying colors now. Oh, he's incredible. We have a student also in St. Paul um, named Kalida Lee that joined us in fifth grade um, after he and his family immigrated from Ethiopia. Mom is still there. So he came with his dad and uncle. When he started ACES, he was new to the country, new to the education system, spoke limited English, um, but he really flourished at ACES. And he rapidly improved his English, strengthened his math skills, developed really important connections and really true character. 
And so in high school, he was an all-star. He actually served on the uh, St. Paul Public School Board as the student representative, um, and he took post-secondary enrollment option classes. So I actually was honored to go to his graduation just two weeks ago, and he was the student keynote speaker. And it was just incredible. He graduated summa cum laude and he'll attend McAllister in the fall um, on a full ride scholarship. So we're, we're very, very proud of Khalid. Wow, that's, uh, that's an incredible story. Uh, Christina Saunders is our guest, the executive director of ACES. And I know there are some people listening that want to know how they can get involved, how to help out some of the causes that are near and dear to your heart. Where's the best place somebody listening to this could go learn more. Yeah, I'd love it if they would go to our website, ACES, A-C-E-S, for the number four, kids.org. And you can learn more about, you know, the education opportunity gap in Minnesota, learn about what we do and learn about ways you can get involved. That's acesforkids.org with the number four, everything else spelled out. Christina, what are some of the things that people can do? How can somebody listening who wants to help get involved? Sure. Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing, of course, we're a nonprofit. We're entirely free to our students and to our partners and families. And so if you feel so compelled, make a donation. That's how we are able to do what we do. I think also, you know, there's opportunities to volunteer. You can be an e-mentor. You can help us with different field trips or deliveries and just check out the different things that might speak to you. And then, you know, I just think we all, this is something that Minnesota is a wonderful community and, we, you know, I think we're, we all want to work on this together. And so learning about it is, is really helpful. So, you know, you can know what you can do. Very well said. And Christina, I, I can't thank you enough for your time uh, coming on Twins Today this week. We really appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so grateful for, for your time and, and for the Twins. Thanks so much. Well, Twins fans, don't go anywhere. There's more baseball coming up after this on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to a special Father's Day edition of Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, hanging out here at Target Field. Uh, We've got a day of Twins programming coming up, Twins Rangers, first pitch, 135. Before that, we'll have the Edina Realty pregame lineup card with Rusty Kath, and 1230, Inside Twins with Derek Falvey and Chris Atterbury. Uh, you can also catch Laura Oak's Good News Show right here on WCCO Radio 12 to 12.30 before that. Uh, won't waste any time getting to my next guest. He is a uh, an editor for the Star Tribune, a writer, and a podcast extraordinaire. He is Mike Rand from the Mike Rand Podcast Studios. Mike, thanks for joining <laughs> Twins today. You bet, Derek. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Just yeah. enjoying a, a Father's Day right before you, right before we went on. I heard screaming uh, upstairs, so I hope everything's okay. But oh, no. uh, yeah, overall, I'm good. I was going to wish you a happy Father's Day, but that sounds kind of kind of par for the course, I guess. You're like, ah, oh, geez, I should go check on that. I'll do the radio show first. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my wife's upstairs. It's okay. I just, I'm curious to know what I'm going to come back to in about uh, half an hour. Well, very kind of them to uh, let you get away and very kind of you (laughs) for uh, Mike for joining us. Uh, Second time we have the pleasure of uh, you joining us here on Twins Today this year and you just crossed a milestone. Mike, with your uh, daily delivery podcast, you just passed the century mark, 100 episodes in the can. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. It went, it went fast. I mean, when you do a daily, you know, five times a week, it's yeah, we started we launched it february 1st so it, they uh you know the, the time span goes fast like i was like i kind of blinked and there we go but yeah it's been tons of fun appreciate you uh 
you listening as well and, and giving me some feedback. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, it's fun to follow along with you guys. Uh, Twins fans who are looking to check that out, a couple episodes this week uh, that might interest you. You had Lavelle Neal, you had Patrick Royce and Phil Miller on the show. So Twins fans who are listening to this of course, once this show's done and after you're done listening to Twins Baseball today, you can go yes. check out those uh, those programs. And, Mike, one of the things you guys talked about, I'd like to start there. You you kind of mentioned this was with the, the Yankees walk-off that you were talking about when the Twins came back on Aroldis Chapman. But you mentioned kind of uh, moments throughout a season, uh, good season, bad season. You kind of remember some of those. One of those, I think, is Byron Buxton rejoining the Twins in the lineup last night uh what an impact he makes and we kind of we we didn't see it defensively in his first time out but we definitely saw it when he wasn't in the twins lineup yeah we did i mean and that's it's kind of funny i was thinking about how at the beginning of the season i think i wrote a blog post about hey if byron buxton and Dalton simmons and josh donaldson you know three guys with a um really good fielding histories or you know some really especially, you know, particular seasons for Donald's, I think, you know, Simmons and Buxton, maybe more consistently, but Hey, if these guys are a healthy and B can replicate something kind of on the high side of, you know, their, their defensive type of seasons, boy, they could really have a good defense. We're talking about up the middle with Simmons and Buxton, and then on the corner with, with Donaldson and, you know, Donaldson by and large has been healthy. Simmons has been, you know, in and out of the lineup a little bit, but they really miss Buxton defensively you can just feel it but you know it was exacerbated by the other injuries they have like if max kepler is in center field you don't feel it quite as much as when you're rotating in all these different guys who just don't have you know that ability but you know buxton's a platinum glove caliber center fielder has won that award is not just you know gold glove but the best you know best fielder flat out um you know in in his you know in at ever you know in the season so Yeah, I think they they definitely felt that, and you know they felt it in a lot of different ways. He just he changes their team, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I was thinking about that uh, in just regards to Donaldson and Simmons. I mean, I wasn't thinking about Buxton for this one, but I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, is kind of a plan coming into this year um, to build a defense that could prevent runs a little bit more. And I couldn't help but thinking, man, it's a shame we haven't really seen this this left side of the infield, Donaldson Simmons really clicking on all cylinders and playing because then you start looking at a, a pitching staff five ERA and just wonder how much better that would be or guys that might be affected by it. Buxton is a perfect example. Um, it, do you see it when you when you watch the Twins or maybe now with these guys coming back, see, oh boy, I bet that pitcher's numbers would look better if they had their sort of all-world fielding team behind them. It makes a huge difference, especially when, you know, they haven't had a staff this year that's been very strikeout reliant. They obviously have some guys that can get strikeouts, but they don't, you know, and they're not back in like way, you know, 15, 20 years ago, pitched a contact mode, but they're, they're not, you know, one of the, the dominant strikeout teams in the league, especially in the bullpen. They just don't have those guys that can just run out there 98, 99 and just, you know, blowing guys away. So they do rely a little bit on, guys making plays and yeah, especially Buxton. I think Phil Miller had a good kind of take on this on, on Friday's podcast when he said, you know, it's like almost once a game where you're looking out there and there's a ball that falls in you're like Buxton would have had that. And, you know, it's probably not quite that often, but he, he makes hard plays look routine and he makes impossible plays look possible. And they just haven't had that when he's been out. Mike, you've covered sports in this town for a while, and you've yeah, good teams, bad teams, and 
uh, good teams with bad years, bad teams with good years. Like you've, you've seen it all. Is it, uh, is it possible, I guess, from your perspective as a sports fan, like turning around the mojo, so to speak? I mean, we, we hear the famous examples, the Washington Nationals, because they just clicked it on. 19 and 31 in their first 50 games and they won the world series um so i'm not necessarily taking the conversation there with the twins but uh do you think it's possible to in the middle of something that's disappointing and i'm sure frustrating for these guys individually to sort of i don't know flip a switch and just kind of like make the good vibes come back and start winning again because they they seem to me mike to have the talent to do it but we we have not seen that switch flip here in 2021 I think it is possible. We've we've seen it. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's likely. You know, when you when you get seventy games into a season, you you have a, a much larger sample of what you probably are. But mm-hmm. I do think we will. You know, a, at least until we get to a trade di- a trade deadline situation where the roster might change, I think they have a chance in the next month to you know fundamentally you know at least alter their trajectory. You know, if they're if they were 15 games under 500 just a few days ago, now they've won three in a row. They start feeling better about themselves. They get a little healthier, you know, with Kenta Maeda who's pitching today. You got Byron Buxton back, Max Kepler back, you know, things like, you know, key players that you were counting on all year. Um, you know, if you get that in combination with, you know, pulling out some, you know, some close games, you win extra innings a couple nights ago, you win, you know, three, two uh, on, on Saturday. If you start to feel better about yourself, yeah, I think it's it's I think it's possible. I just the hard thing with the math at this point is like how how big is that turnaround? Like you have to you have to go on like a pretty unbelievable run at this point to to even convince yourself that hey, we shouldn't blow up this roster at the at the trade deadline. They'd have to be, you know, something like playing 700, 800 ball over the next month to really feel like okay, now we're back in a position where we're not looking up at the standings and can't see anybody. We're looking at, okay, maybe that wild card is attainable. Maybe you could think about catching somebody, but really the next month is going to tell you how, how possible that was. Yeah. It's a long season. There are a lot of baseball games, but uh, yeah, they're definitely behind the April. And and as you just said, the deadline's not October 1st to uh, be feeling good about yourself. The deadline is probably much sooner than that, especially because GM Thad Levine has been quoted a number of times. And I've heard him say, uh, we don't want to be the team. I, I've used the comparison to the eight and eight football team that doesn't have a quarterback. Like, good luck. You know what? Are, what are you going to do? You'd rather it stinks to go through it, but you'd rather be one and fifteen. Obviously, the Twins don't uh, don't want to be this, but I'm just saying right. that uh, Thad Levine basically has said we don't want to be the team that sort of stands pat and misses an opportunity. Um, Mentally, do you, you think that affects the clubhouse? I'm not in the clubhouse this year. Obviously, COVID's changed a, a bunch for a lot of us. Do you think that kind of affects you if you are, even if you're a professional and you're supposed to tune this stuff out? i got to imagine it seeps in every once in a while. Yeah, I think it can. I mean, I think it can kind of work a couple different ways. I think you remember, what, 2017 when the front office maybe didn't, you know, didn't really think much of that team's chances and they yeah. traded away some some players at the deadline with a Brandon Kinsler and trying to remember who exactly else went at that deadline but then you know Brian Dozier goes on a tear they end up winning the wild card kind of comfortably because there's no great second wild card team that year um, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year but you know it, it can be it, it can be seasons are just kind of weird they 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 pivot on things you maybe maybe wouldn't even realize 
There's probably internal clubhouse politics and dynamics that are going on. And if you think about everything that happened to this team at the start of the year that kind of put them on this trajectory, if they can start to turn that around, then even if they lost a couple of players at the deadline, it's not to say they couldn't continue to play at, at a better rate in the last half of the year. It's, it's when they, it's if they had a true fire sale and traded five, six core guys that you'd be thinking, okay, well, this is a, this is a teardown and it might not get better till, you know, 2023 uh, instead of 2022. Yeah, the 2017 trade line. I remember Brian Dozier was very vocal about that. How he, he, he didn't like it, and uh, uh, you and I can both be forgiven that we we didn't, off the top of our heads, recall uh, longtime Twins fan favorite, Twins legend Jaime Garcia, also traded away at that deadline. <laughs> Took about six days, right? Yeah, I think he made one, he one start, start here? in a yeah. Twins uniform, and they uh, sent him packing. Uh, but that's uh, that's might be what's ahead. We'll see how this next uh, month or so goes with the Twins. Um, he's Mike Rand. He's our guest here on Twins Today from the Mike Rand Podcast Studios. Check out the <laughs> Daily Delivery Podcast if you're not already. Uh, Mike, we got to take a break here, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about the, the number one talker in baseball today. And uh, Tomorrow is the big day for Major League Baseball, starting to enforce some of this sticky stuff, the sticky situation they have uh, created for themselves. Uh, don't go anywhere, listeners. Twins fans, you're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars and we'll be right back here on news talk 830 wcco all right welcome back twins fans this is twins today a few moments left of the program then you're getting lauren oaks laura oaks excuse me sorry laura laura oaks good news show from noon until 12 30 and then it's right back to baseball Derek falvey on inside twins with chris atterbury in the adina realty pregame lineup show with rusty cat all leading up to Twins and Rangers this afternoon. Uh, my guest for the final segment, he is Mike Rand, uh, author of 100-plus podcast episodes on the Daily Delivery, the Star Tribune's sports podcast. And, uh, Mike, this is an interesting time for Major League Baseball. I am kind of like a squirmish guy in general, so I've been a little like uncomfortable that all this stuff, this secret sauce is now all out there in the open, but... I guess it's good, and it's at least it's a fascinating story to follow. Tomorrow is the day that Major League Baseball will start to crack down on sticky substances on pitchers' fingers and hats and belts and jerseys and shoes and everything. Mike, where are you at with this whole story? I like it. I'm glad they're going to do this. I, I hope it, you know, hope it it works. That there's some follow through. I think I read was it Buster only maybe this morning had something about. There's a few managers. He was this is anonymous sourcing, you know, off the record sourcing, but mm-hmm. saying a few managers are going to kind of break that long-standing gentleman's agreement and actually plan to, you know, if they have reasonable suspicion, they will ask the umpires to check. Mm-hmm. So, if you see a few of them do it, then you're going to see a few more do it because there's going to be like, hey, you're doing it to me, I'm going to do it to you. Yeah. Um, it might get this thing way out in the open, and um, then it'll be interesting to see whose whose numbers go down, who gets suspended, <laughs> and then you're going to kind of know who was benefiting the most from this, whether it was a real kind of spin rate edge, whether it was a psychological edge, whether it was a command edge, whatever it was. Um, if it's illegal, it's illegal. You shouldn't be doing it. That's, that's kind of a, you know, baseball seems to have a problem understanding that over the years, yeah. but uh that, uh, that's kind of the bottom line for me. I know, and it's weird. It's like Josh Donaldson famously, of course, called out Garrett Cole, who made a lot of money, and uh, Cole then famously spilled coffee all over his shirt and lap when ans- answering a question of whether or not he's used yeah. this banned uh, substance. But Josh also said in that, the part that I don't know is getting a lot of plays, like 
Some guys whose numbers, who who are not as good as their numbers are saying, are going to be out of the league before this. I don't know if the correction is that dramatic, but Mike, as a as a an observer of this game, I've just been fascinated how vocal people have been about it. How how other than Garrett Cole, who didn't want to say anything about it, pretty much everybody else has said like, oh yeah, this is what's going on, and this is how it's impacted me, and this is what I think we should do to fix it, and all that. I'm just fascinated that uh, now this is all wide open and um, Randy Dobnak joined the show earlier and he said they're going to have to find a happy medium Mike because some pitchers think the ball's still too chalky or they're just not going to be able to to get a grip I don't know where that part's going to go but I'm I'm fascinated to see if that is part of this chapter or if there has to be a chapter after this one tomorrow yeah and I think with Josh Donaldson too that was part of his suggestion was you know can there be like a uniform you know, way of, you know, rubbing up the ball, rubbing up the baseballs before the game can, can major league baseball take control of that so that, you know, batters are, are, you know, secure in the knowledge that, Hey, the you know pitchers are going to be able to command the ball, but it's not going to have this ridiculous spin. that's going to produce, you know, a couple extra miles on the fastball and a little bit tighter break on the breaking ball. And I think it will impact some careers. I mean, I think when you saw during the steroid era, you know, like Barry Bonds was already an MVP player before, you know, before he went all in on, on that. Yeah. Um, but you also saw kind of the marginal players who became, you know, much better players as a result of it, or at least, you know, suspected of it. And then you saw their numbers go down when, when there was a crackdown, you might see some of that with this. I don't know if it's going to be quite as dramatic as it was during the steroid era, but I think you are going to see some of, you know, some guys again, whether it's, a real edge or whether that's going to be like, well, now I don't have this thing that I thought was helping me perform. Um, it could be a, a, a mental hurdle to clear, you know, for them. It's like, Oh, now, now I'm back to being the pitcher I was before I started doing this. Am I going to be able to really be able to compete? So, but it's going to sort out who should be there and who shouldn't yeah. be there, I think. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think Garrett Cole is suddenly going to become, you know, a, a bad pitcher. I think he'll just <laughs> maybe, you know, be 5% less than he was and Garrett Cole at 5% or 10% less is still, going to be just fine yeah i agree with you i mean i I think where i come down on it is like clean it up so that it can be fair play it on a level playing field it's like it's like that i mean not to just bring up every cheating scandal in baseball history but with the astros uh science dealing that impacted careers and there are guys that that uh you know, they had a shot in the big leagues, gave up six runs to the Astros, got sent out. We never heard from them again. I don't want that to happen uh, because some people are getting an unfair advantage. So I'm I'm just fascinated to see how a team would handle it, too, with their own pitchers. Hey, do this. Don't do that. I, I have no—I don't know how to make heads or tails of how a team— like, let's say the Twins would address that for their own clubhouse. But well, I think you're going to see, I mean, as soon as one pitcher gets suspended or one and, you know, start getting checked, then, you know, the, the risk reward is going to be pretty clear. It's like, yeah, Hey, if you're doing right. this and it's obvious, you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, booked for 10 games and then you can't play. And that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty big penalty. And they're not going to give you a roster spot back. I heard. And it's just like, it's, there's some things left to, to be sorted out, I think, but it will be, you mentioned the first person that gets punished for it, uh, same way they try to get steroids out of the game, make an example out of somebody, half season, full season, whatever. Uh, Ten games and you cost your team a roster spot. Boy. Of every – Mike yeah. – uh, I mean, And they've already tried to make an example of the minor league guys so far. We'll right. see how, much that, how, how far that goes. That's a great point. And we're seeing spin rates going down. The competitive they advantage are. might be going away. Uh, 
Mike, uh, sincerely, thank you for joining Twins today and getting into this sticky subject with us. Sorry for that. Uh, I'm not really that sorry. I've been waiting for that one. Uh, listeners, if you're not already following him on Twitter, it's at Randball, and check out the Daily Delivery Podcast, 100 episodes in the can. Mike, uh, thanks for joining us on this Father's Day edition. We'll let you get back to your family. Thanks, Derek. Take care. All right. Catch you on down the line. That's the voice of uh, Mike Rand, Star Tribune editor, writer, podcast extraordinaire. Find him on Twitter, at Randball. Super fun show that we had today. Catch the podcast if you missed anything on the radio. Randy Dobnak, AGM, Jeremy Zoll, among our guests. We've got more baseball coming up for you here a little bit later on. First, it's Laura Oaks, the Good News Show on WCCO from 12 to 12.30. Then we're going to get Inside Twins with the baseball boss, Derek Falvey, joins Chris Atterbury and the Adina Realty pregame lineup card with Rusty Kath. It's all coming up, and it's ahead of Twins and Rangers. This has been Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.